About eight months ago, I felt like God was inviting me to create a space for people to be authentic about the questions they have about God, about the church, about Christianity. And I didn't know what that was going to end up being. I didn't know if I would get any response. A good friend of mine, Josh, ended up seeing a a post that I put out there. He shared it. And the first three episodes actually came from his network. And what I thought was going to be a short mini-series very quickly turned into something unexpected and immensely special. This season had 10 episodes. One of those was an Advent episode where I share a message that I gave to a group of people that really tapped into this idea of questioning what Advent means in a year like 2020. But the other nine episodes were amazing, amazing, amazing conversations. Some of them with close friends, some of them with people I had never met and didn't know what they were going to say the moment I pushed record. Here's what I knew. God had given the invitation, and so I could trust whatever happened, he knew what he was doing. But the second thing is this. We are all made in God's image. We are all deserving of love. And yet we, especially when I say we, especially the church, we can be really bad at showing love to others when we aren't sure that they deserve it. And we might not say it in that way, but we often live it in that way. There are people whose stories we don't want to hear because we disagree. There are people whose experiences we don't trust. But this is the big thing that we need to understand. God didn't call us to necessarily trust or understand people. He called us to love people. People that he made in his image. People that are his children. (laughs) That's the whole thing. We've been called to love God and love others. So really, that's at the heart of this whole season four questioning series. It is very real for us to have questions. There are many people around us who have questions and we struggle to live out the mandate to love when questions are asked. So in this episode, Josh and I sit down and process not just this season, but the idea of questioning itself and how the church responds to that, but also how the church can respond. The invitation that God is giving to actually see him in a new way. So I encourage you to listen. This one's a little longer because we actually recorded it live and people were watching. Your time spent listening to this will be worth it because God's invitation is real. He wants us to love others because he knows that's how we're going to actually see him more fully. You're listening to episode 61 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. Uh, And I just thank you for just the uniqueness of this moment, but also the uniqueness of the season. I thank you for uh, you putting the idea in my head of of the season and what it could be around making a space for those asking questions. Um, I thank you for the many conversations I've been blessed to have. And I thank you for this conversation now with Josh and with anybody who's watching. 
just to really, we, we want to hear your heart uh, for what you have for us today. So we just invite you to speak. Uh, if there are things you want us to press into, hard stuff, we're willing. Um, if there's things you want us to marinate in, we're willing to do that. But ultimately, I just pray that you're glorified by this conversation. And I pray that anybody that you want to encourage through it would come across the live stream. We give this time to you and we thank you. Us, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. All right. So Josh is hosting for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I put it out there on Facebook asking if there's anybody who should host. And Josh is like, it should probably be me, shouldn't it? <laughs> so that's the first reason because he actually responded. But more than that, uh, Josh has actually been um, a part of the podcast multiple times now. I've been a part of his podcast. We've had interactions outside of podcasts. So we've actually been processing a lot together over the past couple of years. So he is a great, he is someone that I love to process things with. But the other thing that's relevant to this season is this season exists in part because of Josh, <laughs> because when I put the invitation out there for anybody who might want to uh, be a guest on this questioning series, Josh actually took that and he posted it on his own page. And the first three guests were all friends of his, people that I had never met before and never would have met had it not been for Josh. And so, Josh, I'm really grateful for you. And I'm grateful for your willingness to uh, switch roles here. And it's not a new role for you, but it's a new role for you on this podcast. So I'm going to hand the figurative mic digitally to you. Here it is. Boom. Sweet. I don't know uh, how that looked. <laughs> It looked amazing. Um, sweet. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this season, Paul. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I always forget that we've never met in person. It's um, funny. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited when you posed the, you know, the question about the season and uh, looking for guests, just because listening to your show and hearing your heart, um, I had confidence that you would take care with uh with those guests you know and hear their stories um without the intention of uh i guess evangelizing to the people who were posing those questions yeah i don't know i, I guess we could take this a lot of different directions yeah what was like your intention going into this season compared to where it took you because i i mean i feel like that's the case with me anytime that i approach anything that's maybe out of my comfort zone i may have you know, I might anticipate that it'll go a certain direction or that I'll get a certain thing out of it, that I'll learn certain things. Were things what you expected them to be? Was there anything that kind mm -hmm. of caught you by surprise? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, one thing that was unique about this season and just the whole idea of having intentions behind it was it really wasn't uh, an idea I had. Like, I wish I could remember the moment, but essentially, I, I just this it, it was like God put this thought in my head. And it wasn't like I thought, man, this this would be a great thing to do. Oh, I'd love to do this. It was just this sense that I needed to create a space for people who are wrestling with Christianity, wrestling with God. And what was great about that is, because it was something I felt like God was inviting me to, I didn't really know what to expect, which meant I didn't necessarily have intentions going in. Um, now, that's the case at the start. Once you actually step into something, then you start to build it out in your mind. And honestly, especially when I didn't know the first three guests, there was a part of me that's like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Uh, you, you and I were talking before this started about how you and I love um, kind of going in 
organic, going in fresh, not necessarily being prepped and just being willing to see what God does, um, which can be really awesome and can also be really risky. And so <laughs> for the first three guests, when they came on, at the start of it, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going. And this could go in a lot of directions, including some really hard directions. What if I get somebody that's like extremely frustrated with Christianity and they start attacking me? Or what if sure. they say something like incredibly controversial that I have to find some way to navigate? Or what if, and what if, and what if? And I think one of the things that surprised me was how beautifully God showed up in that space that despite all the fears and concerns and confusion, every single one of those conversations deeply encouraged me. Every single one of those conversations resonated with me in some way. Every single one of those conversations I felt like revealed something about God, at least to me, but hopefully to others. And that's what was so great is that the fears could have kept me from stepping in. If it had been my idea in the first place, I might not have even pursued it. But because God had planted it and because I foolishly took a step towards it, amazing things happen. I'll say this, the other surprise, uh, and it was one of my favorite moments of the season was again, I didn't know the first three people when they came in. <laughs> the very first guest, Joey, was sharing and he had shared some hard things that had happened for him in his church. And then he kind of stopped. Uh, and I did, I felt like that wasn't the end of the story. And so I, I tried to lead in and, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. Um, so like, it kind of sounds like maybe you're still with that church, but it's hard. And he's like, no, dude, I'm an atheist now. And I'm like, oh, so he's like, am I the first atheist to be on your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I think you are. And, uh, and it was just a really funny moment that the very first conversation in this series, God's like, watch this. I'm going to toss in a, a category that many people would be uncomfortable with on a Christian podcast. And what I knew about God is that he knows what he's doing. And like I said, just like all the conversation, that one was just such an amazing conversation. I listened to it again recently, and I just really love talking to Joey. And it was beautiful. Like we were able to talk about God, even though he identifies as an atheist now. And so, yeah, that's, I think that's really what surprised me most is how God can show up in conversations, no matter who's in the conversation, no matter what the topic is, no matter this, that, or the other, if we're willing to trust God with our conversations. He can do some pretty uh, amazing things. I had different expectations here and there, but overall, my main expectation was if God's invited me to do something, I'm going to trust him to <laughs> take it where he wants to take it. Sure. Yeah. And one thing that uh, stood out to me big time, especially with those first three guests, I mean, we're talking some serious trauma from believers, you know, that had been caused with, I'd say all three of those. But one thing that kept popping out is uh, all three of those guys. And I think this was a recurring thing through the season, like had no desire for the church to fail, mm -hmm. had no desire for Christians to be trashed. I, I think if anything, it was just like heartbreaking to them that, um, you know, the people who claim the name of Christ have impacted them in such a negative way. And that's been my heart. Uh, I, I've, I think some of the things that I post and put out there sometimes I've gotten some feedback, like from people thinking that I'm anti the church where it's just like, no, like, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm saying this as I am part of the church, you know, as the community of believers. And these are things that we're missing. How much can we grow and, uh, you know, just really be aware of when we're giving voice to people who have been negatively impacted? 
mm-hmm. um, not not by them, you know, but by us. Since I'm asking you the questions, I guess I'll put you on the spot. But was there anything uh, in the conversations with uh, with folks that jumped out to you personally that you're like, oh, I know you're talking about this person who influenced you, you know, personally, but, uh, you know, recognizing maybe that you had been guilty of some of those things yourself. Um, and I say that I'm asking you that um, being fully aware that I had that same reaction. Um, some things that were said by people were there, you know, just saying that they had had some, you know, big questions that they wanted to bring to church leaders and they were either met with uh, dismissal or met with uh, certainty. Um, and that certainty uh, caused more issues than had there been some nuance, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I internalized that a lot and, uh, and took a lot from it as far as, um, th- you know, those conversations that you had to really think for myself, like, am I creating spaces for people to come um, and just, yeah, I don't know, uh, be open with where they are, be open with what they're dealing with and not feeling the need to just spitball something to, uh, you know, something palatable, but to actually walk with them and hear them out. And even if I know what they need to hear, quote unquote, um, just like trusting the spirits leading with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like, I feel like we really fall into this binary thinking often of good and bad, right and wrong. And that can be hard when we want to be on the right and good side. And then negative feedback can make us feel like we're on the bad and wrong side. And so when it comes to addressing hard questions, uh, you know, like you mentioned, that can be hard for the church to know how to navigate because and, and when I say the church, I mean both the structures, but also us as the church, mm-hmm. because we, we want to be able to give answers. We want to be able to fix things. And when we do give answers that aren't good, <laughs> when we do cause harm, it's really hard for us to, to own that, um, to come with that in humility. You know, one of the things that Aaron shared that really stood out to me was he, he was wounded by the church in many ways but he said this really powerful thing he's like you know honestly i really believe that they they believe that what they were doing was right yeah i believe that they had good intentions but they also did wound me they also did hurt me and i thought there was there was that grace i i found that extended in many of the episodes people Mm -hmm. who had reason to be livid (laughs) with certain individuals exuded this grace um, which I thought there is a lot of power and maturity and, and really love that was exhibited. And that, along with the theme of humility, just kept weaving its way throughout. And, and he, yeah, humility, like, it's, it's just funny to me that in the church, we are talking about this incomprehensible God, this, this being that we struggle to grasp because he is bigger than our understanding. The God who made the smallest atom and the, the entire universe and all the galaxies, like we want to be able to package him up. Um, and we know that we can't because we keep failing to do it. And yet when it comes to answering the hard questions, we just can't accept the reality that there are going to be questions that we can't answer. If we're dealing with an incomprehensible God, there are going to be things that we can't comprehend. Humility invites us to be able to say, 
those three words that can be so powerful, I don't know, mm-hmm. right? But, but too often, we want to position ourselves as knowing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes it can be pride. Sometimes we don't want to look like we're wrong. Sometimes it can be fear. Because if I say I don't know, what does that mean about what I believe? What does that mean about what's mm-hmm. ahead? What does that mean about God? Um, sometimes it can be from a, a place of misplaced compassion. Like we don't want somebody to hurt. So we'll try to give an answer to deal with their pain, not realizing that we might actually be compounding it. And so that's something that I realized, you know, just as you were sharing that within myself, if I'm going to position myself in places of engaging with people who are hurting, which is going to happen because I'm a human and people hurt, it's going to happen for all of us. But if I'm going to position myself in that place, I have to be willing to do so in humility that it's not up to me to fix it, to solve it, to figure it out, to be the hero, to be the savior. That's not what I've been called to do in any of those spaces. You know, we're, we're called to love God and love others. And that love others piece isn't about fixing. Take Jesus and Mary and Martha, right? Our mindset would have looked at the situation in which Lazarus died, and we would have decided that the loving thing to do would be to either one, drop everything we're doing and go and heal mm-hmm. Lazarus. Or two, really the easier thing that we saw him do another time is just be like, he is healed. And then like, you know, go back and you'll find that he's eating dinner. And Jesus didn't do any, any of those things. Like he continued with what he was doing. And a few days later went. And, and the reason is, is because Jesus knew there was something more important than fixing their, their present sorrow. There's something more important than solving their present problem. Jesus was seeing things from an eternal, from a a God's kingdom mindset, where death doesn't have the same hit as it does in our human mindsets, right? Jesus recognized there was something at work there, an opportunity that God was bringing about that wasn't about fixing the, the, the situation at hand, but inviting them into something abundantly more than they could ask or imagine. And the crazy thing is, is I feel like God is inviting us into that over and over and over in our interactions. But when our default is to fix or solve, when our default is to like soften, when our default is to make ourselves look good, we actually are are loving ourselves more than we're loving other people. And we're missing those opportunities. But this is the hardest piece of all of it. Maybe we can get into the mindset of, okay, you know what? I'm going to let go of pride. I'm going to let go of trying to fix things. And I'm going to put myself in there. The crazy thing is, is we actually don't have the power to do what we're stepping in to do. Like we don't have the wisdom and strength and spiritual power to like accomplish what it is that God's inviting us to accomplish there. And that's the whole point because he doesn't want us to do it. He wants us to invite him to work through us. And that's what was so beautiful in these conversations. I went in blind. I didn't know what was going to come out of it. But what I did know is that the purpose of every one of those conversations was not to fix their problems, to solve their situations, or to like shove God in and say, this is all you need to do. Christian platitude, Christian. Like what I knew God was inviting me to in those spaces was simply to create a space, to be willing to be present, uh, to be ready to listen, and most importantly, to invite him in and trust him which meant no matter where the conversation went, (laughs) am I willing to let God do what he's going to do? And the good news is, is I I really feel like he showed up. 
in some really beautiful ways that, again, encouraged me. But I've gotten some feedback that there have been other people that have been encouraged by these stories that people shared that they might not have otherwise shared. Or if they shared it, this person in a different state wouldn't have heard it. And that's a beautiful thing that God can do is, is connect our stories and use our stories in ways that are far beyond us. So I wanted to kind of backtrack to what you're saying about like those three words that I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's a pastor that I met with. Um, he actually did our wedding, you know, um, officiated, you know, my wife's wedding. I think this was the only time that I ever really got together with him. And um, we were just talking. He was asking like what was really on my heart. Um, and uh, I was just like, man, I don't know. I just like have a desire to, to pray for people, you know, and just like starting there, you know, like usually when I'm praying for people, people, um, I noticed that my heart towards them changes massively, you know, like, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, what I, what I think that they need prayer for is definitely not, uh, usually what they need. You know, I feel like God, uh, I'm not saying in like necessarily mystical way, but sometimes like God reveals, I think to my heart just puts like little nudges where it's just like, All right, you know, pray for them in this way. And then, um, yeah, it's been a really cool thing. Anyway, uh, in that conversation, um, he was just asking like, well, how do you know, you know, what to pray for them? Um, and that, that was kind of like where I, I went with like, yeah, I think just like the more that I really am in communion with God about people, um, he directs that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, anyway, he ended up like sharing out of that question, just that he's like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know what to pray for people. Cause like, I, I think I know what's best and I don't know what's best. And like, um, it, it was really this cool thing where I thought he was asking questions initially because he wanted to direct the conversation in a certain way, offer me some wisdom. Um, but really what he was doing was just like demonstrating hmm. humility himself and demonstrating the fact that like, that is also a thing with him that he's just like, yeah, like, I mean, when it's when there are works of the Holy Spirit that we can't just, you know, how to list things. We can't just pros and cons our ways our way into things. Uh, we actually need to rely on God's guidance. Um, you know, that's like yeah, it's not something that we can just figure out on our own. Um, but anyway, like him just demonstrating that openness and in that conversation, I remember him sharing some things that he was just struggling with in his heart, um, and I we met that one time and I walked away just thinking like, that's it right there. Cause I've heard most of my life, like, I, you know, you can be yourself, come as you are. Um, questions are welcome here. Um, in a lot of church settings. Um, but one of, one of the ways that I've seen that done poorly and I've done it definitely, uh, poorly is always welcoming questions, but with the intention of giving people concrete answers. Mm -hmm. Um, rather than just like, all right, like, yeah, that, that, that question, like, uh, I don't know, like, let's, let's really wrestle with that. Like, let's walk through that together. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I just want to toss that out there that like, I appreciate that mindset of uh, just having that openness of, you know, saying that I don't know, or at least I think, I think that there were times during the season that maybe you, you did know, um, you know, uh, a response that you know you could have thrown out there but just recognizing that like all right like yeah the point of this right now is to give space yeah. and to allow these conversations to to happen um and uh 
Yeah, I, I think one thing that I really appreciated um, with like with Michaela's story with Rhonda and Mike with pretty much everybody's this season <laughs> was that there weren't. I mean, one thing that I feel like we do on my podcast a lot is these stories of God at work. Um, oftentimes, they're not all wrapped up with a bow at the end. Um, but there are times that it's like it's it's easier to focus on and center on the parts that really, in our eyes, point to God showing up um, and uh, having like a little bit of an uneasiness about the parts that are either still in process or that don't have this nice, neat resolve. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's really a question in there, but as much as what what do you see that we can do um, to really create those spaces to embrace where we are currently instead of, all right, now that we've seen the big picture, we've seen God at work. Now we can talk about it um, to really create space to talk about it when they're, when we're in the midst. Yeah. 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 So, you know, one that we've touched on is really just knowing the goal first and foremost of those interactions is the goal to love, or is it to, to solve and fix? Is it to, um, to allow people to be heard and known, or is it, to just hear people's thoughts, right? Like, cause there's a difference between that. Like, I'm gonna give you a space to say what you're gonna say, go ahead. All right, cool. Now you've had your space. We don't have to talk about it anymore, right? Like there's a difference between hearing somebody and like really hearing them. Um, there's a difference between knowing somebody's opinions and knowing their heart. And I think first and foremost, that's one thing we've got to get better at as a church, but also just as people how do we get better at actually seeing and hearing people? Um, that's what Jesus did often is we saw how others interacted with a certain individual, like how the Pharisees interacted with an individual or how the disciples interacted, like with Bartimaeus, for example. And then we see how Jesus interacted and the vast difference. Uh, and the big thing is Jesus knew that every single person that he encountered was a child of God made in the image of God and he treated them accordingly. Whereas the Pharisees saw anyone that they interacted with as another Pharisee or a revolutionary or a sinner or, a, you know, like, and then all the qualifications of what that meant to them were applied to that person. And so when we are not seeing people as people, you know, one thing you say often is like, are we seeing people as people? Or are we seeing them as concepts? Is that, is that mm-hmm. roughly? Yeah, uh, you said people are not concepts, you know, yeah. um, and I mean, I say that as someone who doesn't do that well a lot right. of the time, you know, and like categorizes people. But that's the, um, that's the thing though. Like, even in you saying that is, here's the thing, like, again, that binary thinking, we are either good or bad. We are he- either mm-hmm. here or there. It, we can look at the journey of the disciples as a great example of the reality that it's not about you were here and now you're there. It's, it's a journey. They journeyed with Jesus. They got a lot of stuff wrong along the way. And then after Jesus, when Jesus was being crucified, they got a lot of stuff wrong. And then afterwards, they still got stuff wrong because it wasn't about like, I was this and now I'm this. It was about, am I walking with Jesus? And we can get really tripped up. Like, I think it's fine that if we still struggle with seeing people as concepts, if we are aware that we tend to see people as concepts. And if we're willing 
to work around that and press into that um, and to adjust things around that so that we can grow to do that less and less and less. Um, you know, these conversations that we have with people, they're not all going to be perfect. They're not going to be easy. But are we willing to keep on journeying towards loving God and loving others? You know, the, the whole idea of the story not being done is one I've thought about throughout the, the life of this podcast is I've had a lot of people who have not wanted to share yet because the story's not done. And I think that's been one of the most damaging things that we've done as a church is kind of allow that mindset to exist. That if your story is not done, if you are, have not yet arrived, ah, just hold off for a second. Um, we are all on journey. And this is what's so great about this season is it, that idea of somebody sharing a story that is incomplete isn't new to the podcast, but this is the first season where pretty much all of them <laughs> were in that place yeah. of like, this is it. There's no bow on this story. There are still hard questions at the end of the story. Those are, I believe, more reflective of uh, who God is and who he's calling us to be and the life he's inviting us to, then sometimes the stories that are packaged really nice. Those are amazing stories. But even those stories, if you go and meet that person five years, 10 years, 15 years later, you're going to find out that their story didn't end there. <laughs> like they didn't not just become not only this, that, like, but they probably saw that time period in a different light. Right. You know? uh, maybe seeing God at work in ways that they didn't before. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've got stories that I've told that I've had for that I've had for 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. That I've told multiple times over the 15 years. And it was amazing to me to see how the telling of that story shifted depending on what new things I learned about God or what new things I learned about myself or how I came, like you said, to see that situation in, in a new light. You know, we're, we're not just these, uh, we're not a museum. Of, of God's stories. We are a living, breathing stories. Scripture is living and active, right? Like this is a book we could pull out that has finite like words. They are written in ink on the page. They don't change. And yet somehow this book is living and active. And in the same way, the stories that God is writing in our lives and in our hearts are living and active. It's not meant to be the like, all right, here's me packaged and this shows that I'm a good Christian and God is a good God. Like our stories are meant to be living as though like, this isn't just of who God was, but this story shapes how I see God now. And this is shaping my current experiences and who I am is continuing to be shaped. Like our stories are living and active. God is living and active in us. And, and the stories that are incomplete sometimes have a, a higher likelihood of revealing that because their goal is not uh, to have a happy ending. Their goal is to be authentic about who God is and who we are. That was a word that Aaron used a lot in his is, is authenticity. That's mm -hmm. what really stood out to him. Um, that's what he was longing for. And the other episodes didn't say those words, but that's, that is, that's kind of what we're longing for is we want to be able to be authentic and we want to be able to be received as authentic. That's one thing that in Michaela's story that she shared a lot is this, this longing to be able to be fully herself and, and that to be received. And this is accessible to us. Like I didn't do anything magical with this podcast to produce 
these nine conversations. All I did was create a space and then have a conversation. I'm not anyone special in that regard. Like we can all do this. We all have people in our lives that are longing to be able to be their authentic selves, that are longing to experience authentic love, that are longing to have authentic conversation. Like we all have that capacity. It's going to cost us though. It's going to cost us possibly being able to give the answers that we think are the right ones. It's going to cost us possibly looking as good as we want to look. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us comfort sometimes. It's, but for all that it costs us, what God can do in those spaces more than makes up for it. Because God's, he is always up to abundantly more than we can ask or imagine because of the spirit that's at work within us. And man, what a gift we could be missing out on if all we do is try to fix things or avoid conversations or, or push whatever agendas we have, whether it's personal or political or global. Like we might be missing the opportunity to really get a glimpse of what love is and how accessible God has made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think a lot about like unintentional messages that we communicate in the church. Um, and uh, one of the things that um, that I've noticed a lot, just like with testimonies, for example, and I think this is something, again, that Aaron mentioned, is uh, typically people sharing their stories of finding victory in Christ through whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, but uh, yeah, often, you know, the conclusion is, you know, and now, now things are good. Um, but uh, yeah, I think a lot about like how to really cultivate, you know, an atmosphere for that authenticity. And uh, I don't have the answers. I do have some thoughts, but mm-hmm. um, I think just kind of, if we were to like set that stage where, I mean, let's just say, for instance, this is not the reality for most people in most areas, but if you were to have a brand new church, I think that, that would be possible right off the bat for that to be established as like, these are the types of people that we want to be and welcome, you know, um, that we're like all in process um, and really sharing, sharing that kind of stuff from the front. Um, the, the tough thing with that when you're saying like comfort being threatened um i know a lot of people like we're not used to that for one um and there is some discomfort in that um i think just like there there are people that want to come to a gathering to be encouraged and not to be not to leave with like a uh, well things are messy um so i feel like it the solution is pretty tough um you know to really to really go after. Um, so one thing that I kept, man, was on my heart, like every conversation that you had this season was like, these people, like, I really, really, really hope that they're involved. Um, and given, I guess, the voice and opportunity to be involved in a local church is like, I don't know, that's one thing that really jumps out to me is like, these are the voices that need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like their stories matter like yeah. big time everyone's story matters but like the, the ones that are not all cookie cutter you know nice and palatable like they matter too like um and what we can learn as a body of christ for one to have those stories shared and 
like to lean on each other, you know, like, uh, that's one thing that I, th I think is tough for me to really gravitate towards is being the person that leans on other people, you know, like I like to be there for other people, but to be in the position to need help is something, you know, it, it's, it's not a comfortable position for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what's it, interesting is, you know, you made the comment, um, you know, hope, hoping that everyone has this opportunity to be part of a local church. And I think that's one thing that struck me is how many of these conversations um, folks were a part mm -hmm. of a local church. They, they tried to put themselves out there um, and they hit obstacles or resistance or, or actually got hurt by it. Mm -hmm. We keep, we keep name dropping Aaron. I think it was Aaron <laughs> who uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, at one point he did like, share hey i'm struggling with this yep. and he got like an awkward response and then they they moved on um but here's the thing like this this is an internal longing that we have within mm -hmm. us to be able to connect with people to be able to be uh open and again authentic with each other and and this is something that you know luke shared when that space wasn't a safe space within the church he still knew he needed that. And mm -hmm. he still knew other people needed that. So he created that space, the unlearning together um, page that he has. And, and it's, and this is the thing is people are finding healing in that space and how powerful it could be if the church uh, knew how to tap into that, knew how to honor yeah. and respect that space. And, and here's the thing is, again, it's not about binary good and bad. And it's, and like we said earlier, there are, again, it's Aaron who said uh, there, that he really believes that the people that hurt him actually, that they meant well, they thought what they were doing was, was right. I don't think that there's many people in the church that are saying, we don't want authenticity. We don't want that. So then the question becomes, so why is it so common for people to not find that? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is because there's, there's a lot we're chasing after. There's a lot we're pursuing. There's a lot we're longing for. We're longing for comfort. We're longing for safety. We're longing for um, security, um, good things. Uh, and what's crazy is when you look at the Acts Church, it cost them everything. When, when the people became a part of that church, in a lot of ways, they basically gave up ownership over everything. It wasn't a requirement. We see that with Ananias and Sapphira. They say to them, you didn't have to give us. <laughs> it's like, don't lie about it. But a lot of people did because what they realized is the second piece of it, what it cost was nothing compared to what God brought out from that. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite um, passages uh, is it almost seems like Jesus is lying to the disciples. So basically, uh, I think it's when he's talking about how hard it is for someone who's rich to come into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples start freaking out because they're like, I mean, what hope is there? Like, what in the world? Like, and we've given up everything. Like, what's going to happen to us? Like, what's going on? And Jesus is like, look, uh, I'm aware of what you've given up. And, you know, everyone who has given up, you know, house and home and land uh, for my sake, we'll get back a hundredfold. And, and I remember one time reading that, and I'm like, did Jesus lie to them? Because I don't remember there being like Acts 
37. And then the disciples came into their new land with their mansions sure. and their extended family. And it's like, did Jesus lie? No, he didn't. And this is the beautiful thing. Like, this is why we struggle in these conversations because the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. What we think is supposed to happen, how we think life works, makes sense from our human logic on a worldly level. But we're talking about a spiritual realm all around all of this that is dictated by a different logic, uh, different rules, a, a, a God whose wisdom is foolishness to man. And, and so when Jesus said that, they might have heard it and said, awesome. So we're going to get lots of houses and land. The promise came to fruition in the Acts church because what happened? <laughs> you had this group of guys that had lost everything and lost the person they were following sitting in a room by themselves praying, waiting for some helper. They didn't even know what that meant. They just knew Jesus said to wait. So they waited. The spirit came, rocked everything. And suddenly thousands of people are joining this spiritual family. And these thousands of people are giving their homes and their land. So what's happening? Well, Peter, who had given up everything, now had thousands of new family members in this mm -hmm. spiritual family. Peter, who had given up his home, now had access to all these homes and all this land, right? Like Jesus's promise came to fruition, but it looked not just vastly different than what they expected. It was abundantly more than they could have ever asked or imagined. They could never have imagined that because they couldn't have imagined what happened when the spirit came and they spoke in tongues, right? So this is the core of it, I think. You said it earlier. This isn't about church bashing. This isn't about bashing Christianity because you and I are both Christians and we both attend churches and we, we believe in the church. I think the opportunity for the church, for, for believers individually, but for the church as a whole, is to recognize that this world doesn't work the way that we think it does. That the wisdom isn't human logic. <laughs> that the wisdom of God is something bigger. And that God is inviting us to something that's not going to make sense. That we're not even going to know how it works but it's going to be abundantly more. So how we get there is we need to have our foundation core. Now, a lot of churches say that a lot, but when they say what their foundation is, there's all these pillars and it can get really convoluted and distracting that Jesus told us, like when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He's like, I'm gonna do you one better. I'm gonna give you two, love God and love others. If if that is our core foundation, if in every interaction, if in every conversation, we pause and say, all right, and as I move forward, in what ways is what I'm about to say or do, loving God and loving others, then that's going to change things. It's going to get to the place, like you said earlier, where um, instead of just trying to give the answer you think you should give, you like pray about it and like God might bring something else about or a different goal altogether, not even giving answers. But it takes humility because we, we can ask that question and not really ask that question. We can convince ourselves that we're loving God and loving others. We got to have humility. But if in humility, we can actually make that our core, man, stuff could be rocked immediately <laughs> in ways that we wouldn't have anticipated. Yeah, for real. So one thought I had, I just want to like clarify uh, when I mentioned that, like, I wish people would be involved in a local church. I was saying more so from the point of view of yeah, me being a part of the local church. I, w I wish, yeah, yeah. I would like, 
man, it's like so heavy on my heart that like, we should be the ones that are giving them, you know, the voice, you know, and like welcoming them into the conversation. Like we're missing out on gifts that God is giving. Like, it's like God is saying to each of these stories and to people that we don't know that are struggling to be heard. Hey, I'm giving you a gift. Mm -hmm. I want the church to have this gift, but they got to receive you to get it. It's like, it's like God has given these gifts, this, some, so much amazing stuff came from these conversations that it wasn't because of me. It was because of what all these guests said. And God wants to give those gifts to the church. Yeah. 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 Thinking about like, uh, you know, to some, you know, like they're, they're the eyes, the other, they're the hands, the feet, you know, like just all of the different functions within the body of Christ where it's like, man, there are people that I know that I think that God's given them like that, that vision, you know, like, uh, they would be like the eyes, just things that they've noticed that like these things are, you know, I don't know, we're, we're kind of headed this way. This is our trajectory and we need to be aware of some unhealthy things, but often the things that they've brought up have been seen as criticisms or, you know, complaining. Yeah. That's been my heart where it's just like, man, are we like shutting up the eyes that God's given us, you know, thus like robbing ourselves as the body of Christ to be the fullness of, of what we could be. Um, and yeah, that, that was just one thing that really stood out to me this season was uh, most of the conversations really just like seeing that, like where, where a lot of these people are speaking from, I think is, uh, you know, places that God's gifted them to see certain things that other people aren't seeing, you know? Um, and that doesn't mean that they're being critical. That doesn't mean that they're, they're wrong. Uh, that means that God's given them the ability to, uh, notice things that other people maybe aren't. Um, and just like how much more of a healthy body we can be. And one thing that, uh, thought about a lot too is um an author i couldn't tell you who it was but he talked about uh with his church they've used the language of you know they don't want to be a safe place but they want to be a healthy place because like his whole thing was if we strive towards safety there comes a self-preservation uh aspect where we might push out what is you know deemed unsafe um whether that be people's very real stories um, their pasts, their presence, you know, like what they're dealing with, but to be healthy, you know, like to really strive towards the health of our members, the health of the body. Um, that's what they want to be about. Yeah. Safe can mean a lot of things. Mm -hmm. How we define safe might not be safe to someone else. Just creating space in and of itself and saying, Hey, you can, you can share here. It doesn't guarantee safety. Yeah. Being able to discern that, what it actually is safe, being able to discern what is healthy. And, and I think this is the piece. Um, and actually, my, my, my friend, Kevon Purdy, he, he posted, I don't know if he's watching, but he posted something earlier. And I was like, man, the, the timing of this is, is really interesting. He was talking about um, how churches need to be willing to embrace the concept of trauma-informed care to understand the impact of, of trauma. And I think that's something we, we struggle with as people, but also as the church. We struggle with the realization that some wounds aren't, aren't quick heals and some wounds never heal, right? Like if you've got a gaping wound, <laughs> like you gotta do things to address that. There can be some immediacy to it. 
But somebody who's in a car accident may be in physical therapy for six months or a year afterwards. Somebody who uh, has a really brutal injury may have a limp for the rest of their life. And so what do we do with that? Like when, what is, what is safe and healthy look like when fixing somebody's problem isn't going to be an option? If somebody is going to continue to have a limp, it's the same idea of like uh, how we're growing and understanding addiction. Initially, we, we used to treat addiction as this thing that needed to be fixed. And if you relapse, then you weren't really serious about it before, or you're a bad person or something's wrong. And now we're learning, no, addiction is actually something that can often go with someone for the rest of their life, that they can do things to mitigate it and address it and protect themselves, but relapse is entirely possible and it doesn't suddenly make them a bad person or doesn't mean they didn't care in the first place. This is something I heard even in uh, with folks who identify now as atheists or agnostic or agnostic atheists, is that they receive the comment, well, you must not have been really serious about following Jesus. Because if you really were all in, like you wouldn't feel like this. That kind of thinking made those spaces unsafe for those people. Those conversations may have been invitational, but because this person had this assumption about the other that, all right, I'm going to let them share, but they must not have been serious about Jesus if they're now questioning Jesus. <laughs> so, so, so here are a few thoughts. Like one, ah, humility is so important. Humility, and, and you, you mentioned this, introspection. Like, who are we to position ourselves as fixed and good and better in conversations because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like all of us, we are all in this same space. I believe uh, Rhonda or somebody made this comment about uh, if it was her, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was before we started recording, but you know, people can look down on those who are unsheltered. Um, but what she learned from being, you know, having to experience homelessness herself and things in her life, she's like, I'm not any different of a, I'm not any better of a person just because I have more resources. Mm -hmm. Can we have the humility to recognize that all have sinned and fallen short, that, that we are no better. Uh, I've been working through this revelation Bible study. It's a whole other conversation and not something I ever expected to lead, but something that struck me in, I believe chapter, I think it's in chapter 20, but maybe it was in 19 is there's an angel talking to John and saying something and John bows down and the angel's like, ah, get up, get up, get up, get up. Don't worship me. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm, I'm the same as you and your brothers uh, because we are all following Christ. Like there's this really like amazing moment of understanding the right positioning of ourselves, but of God. And if even this angel can do it, <laughs> like how much more us with other people who are also image bearers. The other thought I had is you know, were talking broadly about the church and we use that term interchangeably. So sometimes when we say church, we're talking about a individual church. Sometimes we're talking about the American church. Sometimes we're talking about the global church. Sometimes we're talking about all Christians. The reality is, is that some of the things that we want to see happening, we have this tendency to put that on spiritual leaders to take care of mm -hmm. that. We need to see the church providing more safe spaces. So Pastor, get on that. Thank you. And like, we want the church staff to solve all the problems. The role of the spiritual leaders in the church aren't to run all the things. Really, their primary role is to equip the full body to function as the full church, right? 
And so it's not the job of one shepherding pastor to provide all the pastoral care. <laughs> Their role is to help all believers in that church know God has given you the capacity to care for others. I will be doing this in some functional ways. I want to equip you to do the same. And so what, what I'm getting at is this, is yes, absolutely, individual churches need to be thinking about, are they safe spaces? Are they healthy spaces? But we also individually as believers need to recognize that God is going to give us those opportunities in our lives. So how are we creating safe spaces? How are we creating healthy spaces? How are we opening up our lives? And to do that, we have to ask the question of why. Why are we doing it? And if the answer is to check off boxes, it's not really going to accomplish what we, what we think it should. If the answer is to fix problems, it's not going to accomplish. Like the goal needs to be, I am opening my life to others because I want this to be a way that I love God and love others. And this is the good news for anyone who's like, I'm not good at that. I just can't see myself doing that. Great. That puts you in a better position because when God works, it's, you're going to know it's not because of you and it's going to show God's glory and power and love and strength even more. Gideon was hanging out in a wide press hiding because he was the weakest of the weakest of the weakest. And God's like, oh, I want that guy. And so when Gideon won the battle, Gideon knew and everybody else knew it wasn't Gideon, it was God. We're not trying to fix people and we're not trying to be saviors. We're trying to be a body of people who are made in the image of God, who are living out the two greatest commitments to love God and to love others. And we also know that we love not because we're capable of loving, but because God first loved us. It's God's love coming through us. And the more we allow God to work in that way, the more we see him working in that way. And the more we see that transformation and it can happen like it happened in Acts where it's like an explosion because they were primed and ready because of what they had experienced and who they knew Jesus to be. The same can happen for the, the global church today. If we're willing to really own who God is, who Jesus is, and who he has created us to be and what he's called us for, if we're willing to step into that, no matter what it costs, you know, our church defines love as seeking the greatest good of another, no matter what it costs. If we're willing to do that, man, abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. What you just talked about, um, man, I think that I've gotten into this mindset thinking that if I haven't experienced what someone else has experienced, maybe that um, I'm not the best candidate to, uh, to show compassion to them or to walk through things with them. That, that really shifted for me when, uh, when I went through my divorce, um, it was like seven years ago now, you know, for a while, my mindset was like, all right, like, unless someone's been there, like, I don't really know how I can, uh, I don't really like rely on them. That was kind of my thought process at one point in time. Um, but a couple of friends in particular, just like the compassion and the empathy that they had for me that just like really showed Christ's love, um, really broke down a lot of those walls that I had up where for one, it spoke to me that like, oh, I was like looking at other people the wrong way, um, expecting, you know, maybe shared experience to be like the, this, this common bond. Um, but also it opened my eyes to I don't know, people that I meet, like, and, and not to disqualify myself, you know, like if someone has going, going through a myriad of, of different things, um, just to really recognize, like, if I'm relying on 
God's guidance and really acting in God's love. Like he can use whoever the heck he wants. Uh, he doesn't have to use me, you know, but like he, he just might, you know, one of my favorite things, honestly, is meeting people who say that they, that they don't have much of a story or that, uh, you know, talking to people that they're like, yeah, don't really, my, my coming to God story is boring. Fires me up because that's where I was for most of my life. Um, there's a point in time that uh, someone asked me what my story was. Um, I was taking a lot of road trips one summer. And uh, I gave them every single connecting point that I could think of. And, it, you know, I talked for like a few minutes. And I was like, oh, and that's about it. Several days after that, I was just like laying in bed and uh, can't even explain it. But it was just like in a moment, it's like the Holy Spirit revealed all this, all these connecting points in my life that, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just like didn't connect. And uh, someone else asked me a couple of days later like what my story was and uh i didn't shut up for i think like three or four hours um i was like oh this is like all new to me this is the first time this is coming out of my mouth i, I guess when it comes to people that feel like they don't have much of a story it's like man I, I i really believe that there's probably a lot more than you realize for one and also like it's yeah it's really on my heart that like don't let that disqualify you in your head from god using you and you know the what you see as an insignificant story to connect to to somebody so yeah i think that's one thing that's an unintended message sometimes that we communicate too like with the church and even in like in my podcasts i've felt that way at different points where i'm like man am i only highlighting uh you know stories that are dynamic or mm -hmm. stories that are like really like god brought me out of this like crazy situation um so um, there was a point in time that we wanted to kind of highlight some people that had more, I don't know, I, I guess stories of just like walking with God um, where there wasn't any like huge, dynamic, exciting thing to it, but they still like really reflect the love of Jesus in a cool way. God can use what we have just like with our willingness, like just here I am, you know, like here I am, send me, here I am. Your, you know, your child is listening, like I'm ready to obey whatever that looks like. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it kind of begs the question of like, what is the purpose of our story? And I think sometimes it can easily be that our story, like we, we internalize that our story is meant to entertain. Uh, and if our story isn't entertaining, <laughs> then we don't feel like it should be shared. Uh, if it's not the dynamic story. Right. And to be fair, a lot of times the context that we create for stories is more of an entertaining thing. Like get up on the mic and share for five minutes. Like you're now, it's like a mic night. <laughs> you're, you better share something entertaining. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I think you and I have fallen into a more organic conversational. Cause I think what you and I've realized whether intentionally or not, is that really a lot of times the most powerful space for our personal stories of God at work um, or God not at work is relational more than it is uh, demonstrational, right? It's because we're still on journey, because we're still in process. When we're able to dialogue together, things can come out. And that's, that's what I experienced in this podcast is it wasn't just, uh, you know, people sharing a story and I say, thanks for sharing your story. And this has been the Where Do You See God podcast, like a dialogue develops and we start asking each other questions and tapping into things because if the point is just entertaining, then yes, it better be dynamic. But if the point of sharing 
who God is for us or who he isn't is to process God, to like take a step towards God, then it really doesn't matter how finished or clean or dynamic your story is because it's still a step. Those words are active movement and they can end up yielding things uh, that the most dynamic story could never reach. This is the other thing is how often I've heard somebody hesitate to share, but then they share and they come to find out that someone was in that same space or had a similar experience and their small story spoke loudly to this other person. Mm-hmm. Like we never know how God can use our words, what ways he can like take a small piece of it and grow something beautiful out of it. Yeah, I, I guess having had these conversations, um, have there been any things that you've realized that, I don't know, maybe you, you either uh, would like to change moving forward with the podcast in the way that you interact with people or, uh, or maybe the, the people that you choose to interact with, mm-hmm. um, maybe the approach that you have going forward? Maybe that's not the case, but I just wanted to toss it out there. And see. Well, you know, what's funny is I actually had this realization. I had this thought, like in my head, this season has been different. And, you know, the thought was, well, what am I going to? change the direction? Am I going to keep going in this direction? And I realized this, this season isn't really all that different. Like the podcast, this questioning season is a part of a podcast that is a question itself. (laughs) Like the entire podcast is a question. What I do love though, is that what God had has done in planting this idea is open the door wider. Like I was always willing and ready for whoever to be on the podcast, to come and be on the podcast. Um, But the nature of the name of the podcast kind of indicates and can indicate that it is for someone who has a a God story. (laughs) What this season has done is said, no, really, it's the question is, where did you see God? So however you want to answer that question, you can be a guest. If you've seen him in big ways and you have a powerful story, awesome, let's hear it. If you haven't seen him in years and you really don't know if he exists, awesome, let's process that. And so for me, really, it's just, I love that this has widened the door for for even more conversations, whether it's freeing someone to not feel like they have to have a a pretty tied up bow on their story or someone who doesn't even know what it is they even want to share. Anybody is welcome. Uh, One thing that you had actually mentioned um, yesterday when I asked, like, I don't know what it was kind of like a main question that we want to toss out there was uh, essentially like what barriers there are for us when it comes to questions ourselves. So I guess I want to kind of ask that of yourself. Maybe I don't know if you're in a season now that like you you feel that you personally would uh, I don't know hold back from questions when it comes to uh, I'm not just saying interpersonal, but like going to God with your big questions. If, if now is not a season of that, like have there been times in your life that you've had maybe held back from going to God with those questions, whatever they may be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so I was thinking about that um, recently and, and then thinking back at my different seasons of life and um, what questioning looked like. And my mom is actually on the, the Zoom call. Hi, mom. And she was posting some things in the chat. And one of the things that she mentioned is just, you know, where she is now, she says that sometimes it's more weariness than it is questioning. 
Um, God, and that's something that I'm, I'm realizing I'm falling into that place too. I've had some hard things happening the, the past year. And, and I recognize in the past how I might have engaged those is questioning like, all right, God, are you real? God, do you love me? Do I love you? Am I messing up? Am I doing something wrong? And I've, I've been able to see this trend over my life of kind of growing from that place of utterly questioning the existence of God to now, like, I actually, in a lot of ways, I, there's a lot of ways that I don't question God anymore. I got to take it as, no, yep, God, I know you're working. I have no idea what you're doing and I don't like it, but I'm going to trust you. Um, and I'm still growing in that and I still have a lot of growth, but you know, like my mom mentioned, there can still be this like weariness of like, oh, but how long, oh Lord, like that. And that's, we see that in the Psalms, right? Like, and that is an okay thing. Like we, we don't want to say it is because we have this notion in the church that to be a good Christian is to always be happy. Mm-hmm. But Paul says, I've learned the secret to being content in all situations. Contentment isn't happiness. Contentment is an awareness that no matter what happens, no matter what the situation, no matter what the context, God is God and God is good. That God is at work, that God is all powerful, that God is moving, and that God is going to carry me through even if it's not the way that I wanted it to. You look at people in the Bible, their stories, a lot of their stories aren't the way that they wanted it to go. Uh, And then they land somewhere that they couldn't have imagined. Now, this is the hard thing is like, this doesn't mean that this isn't meant to be a Christian platitude that don't worry, everything's going to work out. God's going to make all the things good because that's not always the case from a human vantage point. Uh, Sometimes people die. Sometimes the sickness doesn't go away. Sometimes the business crashes or the job is lost or the this, this, and this. Sometimes on a human level, things don't get better and things get worse. That's what happened with the disciples, right? Like, Things didn't get better for them on a human level. They didn't suddenly, when the Acts Church happened, they they suddenly gain a lot of authority and respect and everyone loves them. And then everyone's like the entire entirety of Jerusalem and Rome all come to know Jesus. No, like instead they are persecuted and punished and martyred. On a human level, things don't work out sometimes, but on a spiritual level, on a God level, Sometimes God's doing, again, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, which means it's not something we would have asked for. It's not something we could have imagined. But take John. John experienced all those things, and then he got to see heaven. <laughs> like He got to see things that we can't even grasp. And we'll read Revelation and be like, ah, this is weird. <laughs> like, but John like witnessed this mind-blowing experience, right? Like, And so, yeah, I think... I, I, what I want to say, and this is the, this is really the heart of the season is it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to question God. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to not have answers because the goal isn't to be perfect and know everything. Paul says, not that I have achieved perfection, but I continue to run the race. And that piece is the important piece is that as we have these questions, what does it look like to keep walking forward? When you look at the psalmist that are like Psalm 42, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Like it doesn't end there. Mm-hmm. It, along with so many other psalms, then say, and yet still, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to keep walking towards God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
I doubt that when they were being walked to the furnace, it was like a, you can't hurt me. Well, like they probably felt the weight of the pain and the fear and the sadness, right? They, they probably felt that. And yet they were content because they knew, they said it, God can save us if he wants to. But even if he doesn't, we have resolved that we are not going to bow down. We are going to honor God. In this world, you will have struggles. <laughs> But Jesus said, but I leave you my peace. What that peace is, is that when we don't have the capacity to keep walking, when we don't know how to move forward or even where forward is, there is this peace that defies understanding, this incomprehensible peace that can exist that somehow we're able to keep on moving forward. And I think most of us have experienced that. We can look back at a time in our life that if we're honest, in the moment, we didn't know how we were going to make it through. And here we are. And so we can look back and say, huh, I didn't think I could make it through. And somehow I did. Take that and put the Holy Spirit into it. And anything's possible, <laughs> right? So like questions are okay. It's okay if we have them. It's okay if others have them. How can we see those questions as opportunities to press into what it means to love God and love others? Are there any other areas that you wanted to touch on in regards to the season or uh, in regards yeah. to questions in general. Yeah, yeah, you touched on it earlier. Uh, and I just think it's worth worth naming because we we did have somebody uh, in this season who identifies as atheist. We did have somebody who identifies as agnostic. We did have somebody who identifies as deconstructing. Um, we did have somebody who is like knocking on the door and just, it just feels like God's just not answering, right? You, you had said earlier that um, what you appreciated is that the purpose of this season was not to, to evangelize. And I, and I wanted to touch on that for a minute because that word um, has a lot of connotations. I don't remember if that's how you said it, but even so we're going to say, I, I think that's, yeah, I probably and, would have worded it uh, differently. Had but I, I'm glad you worded it as you time, did but... because there's a lot of connotations to evangelism. There's a lot of things that we think it means and think it should mean. And there's been a lot of like missteps around what that can look like. And, and here's what I want to say evangelism at its heart is sharing the good news. And so I knew going into these conversations that the purpose wasn't to convert anyone, <laughs> right? Like that was not the point of any of this. The point of this was God told me to do it. And so I did it. Um, but I knew going in those that that was not what this was about because that's thinking very binary. That's thinking very singular moment. I don't know what seed God wanted to plant that he may then water down the road and may grow. And I may, may never see the fruit of that. I was reaching out to all the guests to let them know about this. And one of them uh, shared that what really encouraged them about it is they, they've been able to use their episode to, to share with others, including people that they hadn't talked to in a while. And it sparked some really good conversations, right? I didn't know that was happening. That wasn't because of me. That was because of God doing stuff. And our roles as believers, like we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. And an ambassador represents the one who sent them. That is their purpose. Their purpose isn't to create their own policies. Their purpose isn't even to enforce policies. Their purpose is to come in and be the representation of that entity. And as an ambassador of Christ, if I am supposed to be the representation of Christ, what does that look like? Well, that looks like the fruit of the spirit. It looks like love. It looks like compassion. It looks like listening. It looks like presence. It looks like 
weeping with those who weep, even if I know things are going to be okay. It looks like all these things. Um, and there's a lot of things that it doesn't look like. Um, and so I'm really grateful that there are so many people that had the, the courage and the boldness and the willingness to come on that not only didn't have a story with a nice bow on it, but we're coming on saying, I, I don't right now believe that God exists. Like mm -hmm. I, I consider that an honor that they chose to share their story and their hearts and their conversation with me. Because I know for me that I experienced God working through that. And that's a, that was a gift. And I know others have been encouraged by those conversations. But above all, what it did is it created a space where two people made in the image of God were able to connect in a very authentic way. And it doesn't matter if like there was a huge testimony that came out of it. It doesn't matter if there was, we got off the call and then met at the river and baptized each other, right? It, what mattered was God gave an invitation. We stepped into it for whatever reasons we stepped into it. And we connected as, as two authentic people, believing that God can move from there. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage anyone who right now doesn't identify as a Christian, who may be mad at God right now, who may be mad at the church, your story matters, you matter. And as you noted, Josh, the church should care about that. And the church should accept the invitation to open space to actually get a fuller picture of who God is. Um, because he is speaking through people and means and ways that we're not expecting. And the ones that are going to hear it are the ones with ears to hear. I'd like to be someone with ears to hear. <laughs> so what am I doing to unclog them? Yeah, there's so many things I think in the past year and a half that uh, I've grown through and um, man, have really spoken to me. I'd say from people that in the past I wouldn't have listened to for any reason, a variety of reasons, but even, even having the mindset at different points in time of seeing like, oh, well, you know, their ultimate authority isn't Christ. So, you know, their voice is, you know, less valuable. Um, and that's horrible to say. <laughs> there were times that that, that was my mindset. I, I, I've been in a season of like really recognizing like, all right, like a lot of people that I may would have shut out their voice uh, for number of reasons let's actually listen you know stop and really process what's on their heart what they've been through um acknowledge what they've been through not try to just like put myself in their shoes but recognize and acknowledge that they have had these experiences in their shoes if that makes sense but yeah that's that's been super eye-opening i've been really grateful for those conversations myself yeah you know, one thing i wanted to hop into from what you just said is just uh, i think a lot about the purpose of obedience not saying that i wrap my head around the purpose of, of obedience but it, just like in our results-based world I, I feel like the things that we put our hands to we want to see results you know like uh, i get really discouraged and disappointed if i work really hard at let's say a, a video or wood project and then have to scrap it you know, after hours worth of work, you know, it just feels like, all right, that was pointless. One of my cousins, he shared a story with me years ago, how uh, he was on a missions trip and really felt as though like God put it on his heart to pray with this guy. I think he was blind um, in one of the tribes. 
and there was a crowd around and he was just thinking like, all right, like this is really out of my heart. This is not a me idea. Um, I really believe that God, you know, has me to pray for healing for this guy. So he prays, expecting God to show up. Nothing happens. And the people around actually like laughed at him. And that was something that he sat with for a very long time and was like, you know, most humiliating experience of his life at that point. And uh, it was something that he didn't really share with people for a long time. Fast forward a couple of years and he, he shared it, you know, publicly on our podcast and stuff, but he still doesn't have a bunch of answers about like what that was, but he still does believe that that was something that God led him to do. Yeah. And he believes that it grew his faith and his obedience drastically, you know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing that discouraged him to the point that, you know, the next time God put a prompting on his heart that he avoided, if anything, he was just like, all right, like I, I can kind of deal with humiliation, you know, like um, I think what broke his heart more than anything was what he, what he interpreted that that communicated about the character of God to the people that observed, you know, nothing happened. I feel like he's still sitting in that spot of like, yeah, don't really know what the purpose was, but really believing that when God does place something on our heart to do this podcast, you know, like whatever it happens to be, oftentimes in that act of obedience, we draw closer to Jesus, whether it met our expectations or was something completely out of left field or something that we can't even point to as like, oh, that came out of it. Yeah. I mean, him sharing that story, as tough as it was, really setting in mind to myself that like, all right, this isn't about Josh looking good or Josh being the guy that God worked through. If anything, it's just like, all right, like my communion with the father and being obedient and being in line uh, with his heart, uh, more important than a result. Yeah. Um, as crazy as that may sound. But. Yeah. Well, and, and, and really like when our, our steps of obedience are done in the hopes that, like you said, you will be the guy that God works through, like really just being obedient to yourself in your own like mm-hmm. pursuits, <laughs> like God is a proxy to get to it, but that's ultimately sure. like what you're after. Whereas the obedience that God's inviting us to sometimes has nothing to do with us. Like we want all of our obedience to have a direct impact on our life. If I take this step of obedience, I will grow in this way, or I will like accomplish this thing, or I will see this fruit. And God may invite us to things that we're just a part of a bigger machine and we don't see what happens with it. You know, again, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it and God made it grow. Like that means Paul planted seeds that he might not ever seen the fruit from. In fact, he may have left that town feeling like a failure. Mm -hmm. And he could have said, man, that was a wash. That was a waste. I'm wiping the dust off my feet. Instead, he said, you know what? Whatever seeds God gave me, I planted them. All right. It's not up to me whether they grow or not, but I'm going to believe that God can make things grow. And if I don't see it, that's cool. That's fine. Because I'm just stepping where God is inviting me to step. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're right. And that, that really what that does is that, because here's the thing, the two commandments were love God and love others. Our big struggle is love self. <laughs> Like that's actually the thing that keeps us from doing the other two. The primary thing that keeps us from loving God and loving others is we love ourselves (laughs) because to love God cost us everything. And we love ourselves too much to give up certain things. 
to love others costs us so much and we love ourselves too much to be placed in vulnerable situations or hurt or taken advantage of or this this is this like the only way you can actually authentically love god and love others is you have to die to self mm-hmm. like you know jesus said hate your father mother you know brother sister even your own life take up your cross and follow me he's basically saying look you gotta hate yourself in order to actually love and this is the good news like if god was just god period powerful then he could demand that from us yeah there are passages yeah. there's a passage about you know does the servant when when he makes the meal for the master sit up at the table and eat the meal no the servant's doing their job <laughs> they they are there to serve the master but then jesus later on says you know i no longer consider you servants i consider you friends right this is the love of god is that he deserves all honor and glory and he deserves utter obedience and we deserve to like if we don't do that to be destroyed but his love is demonstrated through his graciousness and his mercy and his patience. Uh, there's a passage, oh, I can't pull it up, but it's talking about God is not um, slow as we understand slowness, but he is patient with us. Like yeah. the, the verse is much better. It's like first Peter something nine, look it up. But <laughs> um, it's, it's this funny moment where like we often do feel like God is slow at working and the verse like flips it it's like no 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 no. not only is god not slow he's actually being patient with you mm-hmm. you're the slow one in this story and so yeah it's going to take us a long a lifetime to really learn what it means to walk in obedience paul says you know i, I do not understand what i do because what i hate to do i do and what i want to do i don't do like this is the apostle Paul saying this. So we're going to have moments where we do what we hate and we don't do what we want to do. And God's going to continue just as Jesus did with Peter and the other disciples to, to be with us, to walk with us, um, to work through us. And so, you know, if, if obedience necessitates results, then we're going to stop being obedient quick. Mm-hmm. If obedience exists, regardless of what it costs us, then we're going to see God's love really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, on that note, I, I think a lot about uh, like the rich young man, you know, that talked to Jesus where he's just, you know, sell everything you have give it to the poor. That's the one thing you lack. Um, the guy walked away sad. We don't know. We don't know the end of that story. Uh, he walked away sad and decided to sell everything he owned. But like, that's the, that's not the assumption. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, uh, not trying to read in between the lines, but there are a lot of things just uh, in Jesus's interaction with people that, you know, we could we could see it as like, oh, and that was not a failure on Jesus's part, but like that was a hardened heart that like refused to uh, to surrender. But it's like, uh, but that was a seed planted, you know, like Jesus still spoke it regardless. Um, he didn't see it as a waste, you know, yeah. um, and I think there are times that it can be easy to get into that mindset of like, I didn't, you know, been striving and didn't see anything for who knows how long, but just trusting that, like you said, God's the one that makes it, makes it grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really like, again, I said this before, but I, I want to emphasize it for anyone who's listening. I am not some pastoral magician. Um, I'm simply coming into this, these spaces willing to create space and willing to engage with someone as as somebody made in the image of god and think 
how would I, if this is God's child, how should I treat God's child? <laughs> and this is the most important part. I, I do this every podcast. I, I pray and invite the Holy Spirit to work. And for some people that they're like, oh yeah, I always pray for the Holy Spirit. And other people are like, oh, that's that crazy talk that Paul does sometimes. And, and I get it. It's a weird thing. It feels weird for me sometimes, but that's also a step of obedience of like, if the Bible talks about there being a spirit and if that spirit is real, and if God's saying this is a helper to work, then what does it look like for me to take actual steps to engage that space? And so inviting the spirit through prayer into these spaces uh, is one of the ways that I do that. It's not a magical cheat code or anything like that. It's just putting invitation out there. But I will say um, there have been so many moments where I haven't known where the conversation will go and it goes somewhere amazing, not because I planned it out, um, because I believe that the Holy Spirit work and that is available to everyone. So for anybody that's wanting to create spaces, that's all it takes. Like learn to unclog your ears and, and have ears to hear, to listen for God, invite God to speak, tell God, Hey, I want those opportunities. And then be ready for him to be like, I was waiting for you. And then take those steps of obedience. Um, clumsily you'll trip up. Like Josh said, you'll stumble. Um, the goal isn't to become an expert at this. The goal is to love God and love others. And you do that by stepping into obedience as an act of love for God and creating uh, spaces of love for those that you're interacting with. So we can all do it and we all should. Good work. I, I just wanted to thank from like the depths of my heart, Joey and Aaron and Luke and Antonio and Sarah and Sharika and Megan and Kristen and Michaela and Rhonda and Mike for giving me the gift of your authenticity, of, of your stories, of your time. It was legitimately a blessing to me to have the privilege of sitting in that space. And so thank you. And thank you for who each of you are. Thank you for sharing where you are on your personal journey, whether you are waking up saying praise God, or you're waking up saying, where's God or is there a God? You matter. <laughs> Your story matters. And so thank you for sharing it with me and being willing to share it with the world. And I can tell you, um, I have heard from many people, your stories are bringing healing to other people. So thank you. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the this plainly so that we don't miss it. God has called us to love him and love others. He didn't put really many parameters around that love others piece. And in fact, the parameters that he does put kind of take away our excuses for why we often don't love others. Uh, whether it's the story of the Good Samaritan or examples of Jesus loving blind Bartimaeus or lepers or those that the Pharisees called sinners, it's very clear that the mandate to love others needs to happen. That our many reasons for avoiding it aren't going to cut it. Church, we really struggle when someone has questions about God, when someone has questions about Christianity, when someone has questions about the church. We really struggle with what to do with that. We struggle with making space. And when we do make space, we struggle with making it healthy. 
we sometimes have agendas or goals or outcomes in mind with those interactions, namely to eliminate the questions, to eliminate the hardships, to eliminate threats. But that's not what it looks like to love others. Loving others actually comes at great risk and great cost. Loving others isn't meant to happen for our sake. It's meant to happen as an expression of love for God and an expression of love for his children. Something big that stood out to me about this season is how easy it can actually be to love those who have questions. How incredibly easy it can be. These episodes weren't hard. I created space and then I listened. And any agendas I might have had, I put those to the side. I made the primary agenda to love the other person or put a maybe a better way for them to feel loved, for them to know they are loved. Because sometimes we can convince ourselves we are loving someone, but we're actually doing something very different. It might not be a bad thing, but it might not be something where they come away knowing that they are loved. Church, this is easy. Yes, there is risk. <laughs> but practically, this is something not only we can all do, but we should do. What Josh said is very profound that the church needs to hear these voices and these stories because it is actually our pathway to seeing parts of God that we would miss otherwise. Our tendency is to put the burden on those who have the questions to either get it right or to put themselves out there. And as you heard in the episodes, if you listen to them, there are many people who have carried that burden and put themselves out there and gotten burned or gotten rejected. We got to stop putting the burden on others and really step up to live out the call that we have been called to, to love God and love others. Look, when someone has a question, your goal should not be to eliminate their question. The goal should not be to solve their problems. The goal should not be to make them look like what you think they should look like. The goal should be to love as God loved you. And let us remember how God loved us. As we see in 1 John, God's love for us looked like him giving up his only son to a brutal death. Jesus' love for us was taken on humiliation and a brutal murder. Their expressions of love were very profound. Honestly, it's beyond our capacity to really live up to the standard of love that they've set. And yet here's the beautiful thing. God wants to love through us. Jesus sent the spirit so we can do more than he did so that we can experience abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. So while we are incapable of loving as we should, God is fully capable. So are we willing to put ourselves aside, to die to self for the sake of loving God and loving others? Someone around you, right now in your networks has hard questions and they do not feel like they have a safe and healthy space to process those. You could be one of those sources of love. You could be that. It may cost you. It may seem out of your capacity. 
but I can promise you, you will experience what I've experienced through this season, a real blessing in hearing these stories and being invited into them, the privilege of being trusted with them. So if you're willing, pray for God to show you that person who is just waiting to know they are loved. And then take those steps and whatever that looks like to create that healthy space. When you do, make sure you ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, Uh, Think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?